0: It is Tuesday, the 29th of August, the feast of the martyrdom of St. John the Baptist. Let's pray a portion of his litany together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. St. John the Baptist, precursor of Christ, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, glorious forerunner of the Son of Justice, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, minister of baptism to Jesus, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, burning and shining lamp of the world, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, angel of purity before thy birth, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, heavenly contemplative whose element was prayer, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, Gloriously fulfilling thy mission, pray for us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. John the Baptist, I know we said it a lot already this morning, but pray for us on this, the Feast of the Passion of St. John the Baptist. This is the day that we mark his martyrdom. His birthday is on the calendar as well. So he's one of the few people who we, we get to talk about his birthday and talk about his birthday into heaven. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls and up this hour, we'll check in with Father Boniface Hicks to talk about the Jesus Prayer. We've been going through his book, Personal Prayer, and looking at different forms of prayer and how to implement them. Marlon De La Torre will join us from the Diocese of Columbus. Also, Father Thomas Berg. Uh, we'll... Uh, Well, who knows what we're going to have to say about John the Baptist. There's a lot to say about John. He's got lots of patronages. He's got lots of interesting encounters throughout the course of his ministry. Trust me, we're going to get to a lot of it. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news.
1: Morning. Florida residents are bracing for tropical storm Edalia. The National Weather Service has hurricane warnings and storm surge warnings in effect for nearly Half a dozen counties, other parts for nearly half a dozen counties, other parts of the region are under tropical storm warnings, hurricane watches or tropical storm watches. The NWS expects Idalia to make landfall tomorrow as a major hurricane. Former President Donald Trump will be arraigned in the Georgia election interference case next week. Mark Mayfield reports.
2: A
3: Fulton County Superior Court judge has scheduled the arraignments for all 19 co-defendants in the case for September 6th. Trump will be the first to be arraigned at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. He will then be followed by the 18 other co-defendants in 15-minute increments. Trump and the 18 other co-defendants face charges over alleged attempts to overturn Georgia's 2020 election. I'm Mark Mayfield.
1: Maui Police Chief John Pelletier is responding to criticism about barricades that were set up in Lahaina. Some reports say the barricades caused traffic congestion, trapping more people in the town as it burned on August 8th. The the chief says there were barricades, but only in areas where there was already extreme danger that included downed power lines, which the chief says would have killed people if they drove over them or fire that had already engulfed the area. Pelletier says Front Street was blocked off once it was on fire, but no one was impeded from leaving the area, he said, only from going into certain dangerous places. In Michigan, the ACLU and Planned Parenthood have unveiled a legislative agenda for this fall as they seek to get state lawmakers make, to make access to abortion easier for women in Michigan. They want to repeal the state law mandating someone wait 24 hours before obtaining an abortion and repeal laws that limit insurance coverage of abortion. Right to Life of Michigan has blasted their proposals. The journal La Civita Cattolica has published the transcript of the Pope's recent meeting with his fellow Jesuits in Portugal when he was there for World Youth Day. From Vatican Radio, Francesco Merlo reports.
4: Throughout World Youth Day in Lisbon, the rally and cry for an all-embracing church resonated powerfully with the words, todos, todos, as he stressed that the church has space for everyone. The Pope reiterated his call to embrace homosexual people within the Church. He critiqued the disproportionate fixation on sexual transgressions, noting that other so-called offences often remain overlooked. The Pope also recounted an encounter with a group of transgender individuals who were moved by tears by the Pope's acceptance and empathy. He underscored the necessity of reaching out to marginalised communities who often grapple with feelings of rejection, and he accentuated the significance of empathy and compassion. Addressing critical global concerns... Pope Francis conveyed deep apprehension over the persistent prevalence of wars since the conclusion of World War II. He spotlighted the contemporary state of global affairs and underscored the imperative of seeking peaceful resolutions. The dialogue delved into tensions existing within the church, including reactionary attitudes and resistance to the tenets of the Second Vatican Council. The pontiff acknowledged the intricate challenges posed by those who scrutinized Vatican II without explicitly naming it. He underscored the dynamic nature of doctrinal evolution and expounded on the notion that church doctrine is not an unchanging monolith, but rather an evolving entity. He invoked historical instances such as the changing perspectives on the death penalty, nuclear weapons and slavery to illustrate the fluidity of doctrine over time. Pope Francis expressed apprehensions about the encroachment of excessive worldliness into religious life. He cautioned against compromising core values with the allure of worldly ideologies. Finally, Pope Francis conveyed his anticipation regarding the impending synod. He clarified that the synod wasn't his brainchild. Instead, it aimed to restore synodality within the church, a concept first championed by Pope Paul VI. He also emphasized that the driving force behind the synod was the Holy Spirit. I'm Francesca Merlo.
1: And that 200-year-old West Point time capsule opened yesterday turned out to be a bust. The small lead box found in May in the base of an 1829 monument was met with great fanfare. What could be in it, they thought. As it turned out, nothing but silt, according to the scientist who examined the box.
0: So is that because something disintegrated or because somebody played an elaborate Two hundred year prank.
1: Well, this is a very good question, Matt. I mean, that we, is a how how prank. could we ever know it was at the base of an eighteen twenty nine monument? Maybe there's some letters. Maybe the somewhere. box itself
0: was the treasure.
1: That's maybe idea. the real
0: treasure was the friends we made while we were digging it.
1: That's really beautiful, Matt. Really beautiful.
0: <laughs> Did you ever do a time capsule thing?
1: Um, no. No, never have.
0: I seem to vaguely remember that kind of thing going on when I was in high school. I think somebody threw like a troll doll or something in there. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Neat. Trolls.
0: Problem is, is that, you know, none of that stuff ever really went went away because they've got like corporatized versions of all of it.
1: Well, yeah. And it like, it all comes back after like 10 or 15 years, you know, when generations...
0: now none of it ever goes away
1: do you know how excited i was when i saw a caboodle in a store and i was like my child must have this memento of
0: it was probably my made, childhood probably made last year
1: right that's what i mean like oh roma can have something that i had that was so important to me as a child
0: it's, not, it's a great marketing
1: technique it works never went away it even worked on me
0: the Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Father Boniface Hicks. He is the author, along with Father Thomas Acklin, of "Personal Prayer," a guide to receiving a guide for receiving the Father's love. Father, good morning.
3: Good morning, Matt. Great to be with you.
0: So, I was thinking through this uh, not long ago, and I think that out of all the prayers that I pray, the devotions that I've been involved in. Uh, almost without thinking about it, the Jesus Prayer is probably the one that I go to the most. For those listeners who don't know exactly what the Jesus Prayer is, uh, if you could uh, just lay it out. It shouldn't take long.
3: Yeah, that's right. The The Jesus Prayer consists very simply of uh, a, a short sentence, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner, um, or some slight variations of that but the the idea is uh to let those words again uh, prayer is is not so much about saying the words themselves i always like to say you know my my phone is actually pretty good at praying morning prayer and uh it's not getting holier by doing that uh, but you know you can you can just have the uh the phone read prayers and uh that doesn't make the phone holy so it's not so much about the words themselves but what they're connected to it. And obviously the, the heart of the Jesus prayer is that simple call to the Lord, knowing our deep dependence on him, recognizing who he is as Lord, and knowing that he uh, comes primarily to bring us mercy and that his mercy is always available to us. And so it's a way of uh, repeating a prayer many times and praying it a hundred times, a thousand times in the, in the way of the pilgrim, 6,000 times a day, Um, you know, uh, that's done for the sake of keeping the connection with Jesus as constant as possible.
0: Well, and it's a prayer that uh, a lot of Catholics pray, but it's not unique to Roman Catholics, right? I mean, this is something I know a lot of Protestants uh, who use the Jesus Prayer. Of course, the East is really where you see the Jesus Prayer um, as as very much a thing. Uh, I got A hermit friend who this is his favorite prayer (laughs) you know this is this Mm -hmm. is a prayer that that uh cuts across categories i mean it's it's based pretty much directly on scripture and it's kind of to the heart of what it means to say that you're a christian right lord jesus christ you're saying that he's lord have mercy on me a sinner you're confessing your sins and your needs for him i mean it's pretty straightforward
3: yeah that's right and uh even there's, there's always a, a sort of impulse to explain it, you know, just as you have done and I have just done, you know, we sort of pick apart the words and why are they there. And But uh, again, ultimately, it becomes pretty quickly, not unlike the, uh, the Hail Mary, which is obviously much longer, but uh, it becomes pretty quickly just a simple connection. We, we start to associate the words so closely with that, uh, you know, I would say really felt connection, the, a movement of the heart that Uh, As soon as I pick up my my chotki, the little prayer rope on which uh, I might have a hundred knots, and go through those, but as soon as I pick it up, it already makes the connection. Jesus is that close to me. As soon as I start to say the words, it makes the connection. Jesus is that close to me. And then it also gives me permission, not because I'm perfect, but because I need him and because he loves me. And so a lot of those things are just become very automatic or very... uh, immediate, I should say, in, in a, a way that we can sustain, and it becomes, uh, as the, the way of a pilgrim is kind of the, uh, and, and I quote it fairly extensively to describe the, the movement of the Jesus Prayer in, in the chapter on personal prayer that we're talking about, but the, the way of a pilgrim describes in, in very accessible ways how we can take up this prayer, and it becomes almost a, a sort of constant a constant background, a constant presence, uh, as, as present as our, our clothes that we're, on the one hand, very aware of, and on the other hand, we completely forget about. And that's uh, the way that prayer also becomes, and, and uh, the presence of Jesus, our relationship with him, also becomes constant. Uh, and, and yet we can do other things at the same time, so it doesn't have to be a, a, a fixed concentration but really a, a stimulating of a constant awareness of of God's
5: presence.
0: You know, there's no perfect analogy to try and explain this, but I bet you there are people who have had their cup of coffee with them for the course of this interview. And if you were to ask them how many times they've taken a sip of the cup of coffee since you started talking and I started talking, they might not know. But take that coffee out of the picture, you know, for that time, and they would feel like, man, something big is missing in my world. <laughs> You know, for this seven minute stretch, all right? And, you know, I sometimes find myself, you know, leaning on the Jesus prayer in this way, like, you know, not keeping account, all right? But uh, you know, I see something come across my feet and I'm like, Oh my gosh, what should I do about this? Jesus Christ have mercy on me a sinner, right? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and I sort of like lean on it when something pops up uh in my world, uh, in any kind of form and at the end of the day, I couldn't tell you how many times I've prayed the prayer, but I could tell you that I leaned on it and that I would not have been able to get through the day without it.
3: Yeah, that's a, that's a great analogy. I really like that. Uh, and I was actually drinking coffee while we were talking as well. How many times? <laughs> Did you count? I, I don't know. <laughs> I finished it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great analogy. It's it's one of those things that becomes part of the fabric of our, of our interior life and a, and a constant connection that tells us how, in fact, God, how present God wants to be to us and how much he wants us to be aware of, of his, uh, his love for us through everything, in everything, at all times. And in, in a simple way, bringing our entire life into relationship with God is a way we can describe holiness. And we have a temptation to leave out certain parts of our life as if they're not worthy of God or not that important. But it it cuts across our relationship with Him, envelops everything in our life.
0: And, again, it's not that hard to memorize. So, there you go. Even if you miss a (laughs) word here or there, you're still in the the framework of it. Uh, A lot of people a lot more simple than us, a lot less literate than us, have memorized this and leaned on it pretty hard. So it's a great prayer. I love the Jesus Prayer. But uh, the book is called Personal Prayer, A Guide for Receiving the Father's Love. It's by Father Boniface Hicks. I encourage people to check it out at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father Boniface, thank you as always. Have a wonderful day.
3: You too, Matt. Thank you.
0: All right, quarter past. We got headlines with Anna Mitchell right after this.
6: Support is from Solidarity Health Share.
7: Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs?
6: Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245.
0: It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee.
1: And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your
0: purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store.
1: Find our store and link to Mystic Monk coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com.
0: Now there's a fast and easy way to get in touch with EWTN. The EWTN Everything number. Call 1-800-447-EWTN to get
8: the latest information on programming, special events, pilgrimages, and more.
0: You can even make a donation. Our EWTN Family Viewer Services representatives are ready to help you with whatever your needs may be. The EWTN Everything number. 1-800-447-EWTN.
7: EWTN.
0: 17 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines.
1: Florida residents are bracing for tropical storm Idalia, which the National Weather Service expects to make landfall tomorrow as a major hurricane. The journal La Civita Católica has published the transcript of the Pope's most recent meeting with fellow Jesuits in Portugal when he was there for World Youth Day. And the Holy Father yesterday called for support for those who fall into drug addiction.
0: News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. A happy Feast Day of the Martyrdom of St. John the Baptist. Do you know While anybody
1: our... named Beheaded?
0: I do not. No. Oh, okay. There's a Christian metal band back in the day that was called that, though.
1: Neat. Um, I, oh. I have a, a nephew whose birthday is today, and his name is oh. Lewis. So happy birthday, Lewis, if you happen to be up listening. But um, I really tried to push for some sort of, you know, Lewis beheading of John the Baptist kind of
0: that'd be quite, that'd middle be quite name the feast. But
1: they that'd didn't quite go with the... that. they didn't go with my Forerunner. Ideas. You put in, because... you couldn't
0: put in Forerunner <laughs> precursor in the name.
1: Ooh, that's a neat idea. Yeah, see like Freddie, he was born on the feast of Saint John Chrysostom, and so he's Frederick John. Okay. So I mean, he's also named after my uncle, who was Fred John, so it worked out nicely. Looking. But
0: see, this is where I get into stat casts. So, oh, I uh, can't there's, uh, there's several Batistas in the uh, in the oh, pipeline oh, yeah. in the in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. There is a Juan Batista who is playing for the Diamondbacks. Mm-hmm. Let's see, born ah, he's born January 9th. Oh. How cool would it be if you were if your name was Juan Batista, but your your birthday was today?
1: That would be super cool. Well, you think of like the uh, the patriarch of Jerusalem. His name is uh, Cardinal Pierre Batista. Pierre
0: Batista Pizzabola, mm-hmm. which I'm pizza just bola. hungry saying his name.
1: Bala, not bola. Pizza so ball. like pizza ball. Pizza ball.
0: Sorry, there's a there's a restaurant around in, in the D.C. area, Pizza Boles, and that causes me to mispronounce <laughs> his name all the time. Pizza Bolies. <laughs>
1: That is pretty good. That's pretty good. So I was
0: going to say Happy Feast Day to all our Puerto Rican listeners because the island that has become named Puerto Rico used to be called the Island of San Juan because of its connection to Saint John the Baptist. But now the capital Uh of Puerto Rico is San Juan, but it's still connected, still connected to Saint John the Baptist. So anybody who is uh, either listening in Puerto Rico or listening in on the mainland but has puerto rican roots you get to claim this feast day too
1: happy feast day
0: happy feast day we'll go through more of the patronages as the morning continues but in the meantime saint john the baptist pray pray for for us. us it's 21 minutes past the hour waking up with mystic monk coffee is definitely a better way to start your day not only are you getting a great cup of coffee but your purchase helps support the life of the carmelite monks of wyoming
9: and your
1: purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonrisemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission.
0: Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com.
1: That's sonrisemorningshow.com.
0: This past year
9: has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at
2: sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. Dearest Jesus, teach me yourself to be silent. Abide in me, as you do in the tabernacle, for my soul thirsts for this grace. Your loved presence guards my soul and keeps in check my thoughts, my words, my acts. Stay in my heart, dear Jesus, and transform it through love, humility, penance, and silence. Silence will help me to become more and more true, and this is sometimes more difficult than it seems. Love... Patience, gentleness, humility, silence. Give me all these, dear Jesus, and make me holy in so far as you wish. Use me for souls, for your loved missions and missionaries. Use me in your own interests, for your greater glory, and let all be done and suffered in silence in the chapel of my little soul. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Sister Patricia Jean, Sister of St. Joseph the Worker in Walton, Kentucky.
0: The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swim, joined now by Marlon De La Torre from Knowing Is Doing, and he, of course, is with the Diocese of Columbus, where they listen on St. Gabriel Radio. Marlon, good morning.
10: Good morning, Matt. Go Bucks!
0: All right, so I know uh, through my wife's connection, she's in Catholic education, and uh, Mm. of course, my son goes to a Catholic school. I get to overhear all kinds of great conversations about Catholic ed philosophy, and, you know, this is a big question, this idea of what is it that you're doing in a classroom, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, what is it that you're passing on? Mm-hmm. As a Catholic school teacher, how should we be looking at these questions differently?
10: You know, it's the, the academia in any Catholic educational environment is, tends to basically take precedent over anything else. And, and, and when you think of a school, whether it's Catholic or, or, or none, that that is a, the first thing on someone's mind, all right, how effective is the academics? Um, what are we doing to help the child learn? Um, what are the processes or methods or, or the pedagogies uh, being developed to, to help the child just understand uh, the world? But w- when you look at a Catholic school uh, scenario and its foundation, its premise, really everything is embedded in the understanding that they are a child of God. There there is a a sense of an anthropology there. And a Catholic school, first and foremost, is really trying to make the connection between the child and his relationship with Jesus Christ, and that he view himself as indeed a gift from God. And so that sets the stage for us as teachers to do that. And uh, sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we're we're so embedded in making sure we have the academics set, or that we are uh, looking at the well-being of the child strictly from one lens only. And we tend to forget the fact that well, a Catholic school, by nature, is an introduction into salvation, and that is part of the premise of a school. So, uh, a teacher, every time he or she walks into a classroom and a child enters into their foray, uh, really, the, they're part of that conduit to uh, guide that child towards a relationship with our Lord, albeit whatever through whatever academic discipline they may be teaching that child that day.
0: You know, it's interesting. Uh, I've Uh, you know, had a sort of like a a back row seat to a lot of different Catholic schools Mm -hmm. um, because of, you know, my family being involved in Catholic education. And what's fascinating to me is that you've got really on fire uh, religion teachers. Uh, You know, you always have a mix of things, right, in a religion Mm -hmm. department. You got a mix of methods, a mix of (laughs) all kinds of stuff. Uh, But everywhere I've gone, there's always been kind of a contingent of— really strong Catholic models and witnesses who are Mm -hmm. willing to lead the rosary and show up at the Bible studies and Mm -hmm. be there on the front row at every school mass and that stuff who Mm -hmm. are physics teachers or security guards or coaches or people who are not teaching theology Mm -hmm. in terms of like the the discipline that's been assigned uh, to them or that they've been trained in. And I've always Mm -hmm. found that— that's kind of the mark of a health of a school. If you get the people who aren't teaching religion classes mm-hmm. taking the lead on that stuff, mm-hmm. you got something good going.
10: You do. The the, the environment in itself and, and basically the disposition or behavior of the teacher is crucial, whether, whether you're the janitor, whether you're the coach, whether you're the guidance counselor. You're absolutely correct, and when that's fostered then it becomes contagious, obviously, and then you you see a child mimicking in a good way the habits of someone else. I mean, the greatest example I can give you is when one particular uh, uh, administrator who who wasn't a a teacher per se, but just was there to assist, would just welcome and encourage the staff. uh, "Have Have you talked to our Lord? Have you got a confession? I mean, he was very open about it. And that became just really a a rallying cry for many who just needed to hear that at that day. And he always knew when to ask. He was never um, imposing that question. He just knew and had a sense, all right, this person needs to hear this today. And so when you establish that environment and people see it, 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 it's really a a wonderful thing to see. And it just fosters a a beautiful sense uh, or beautiful reality, excuse me, of who Christ is, what the church is, and what is the premise of a Catholic school.
0: So when you got that going, you know, people might say I'm not here to I'm not here to evangelize kids. Mm-hmm. I've got to teach them a, a class. But if that's the way you're living, if that's the the thing that's sort of coming out of you, if that's what's written all over your face, then mm-hmm. no matter what you're teaching, the kids are going to pick up on that stuff from you.
10: Absolutely. I I tell teachers all the time, especially newbies who are preparing for their first year of school when I've done teacher training for years, I said, keep in mind, children know when you're lying and they can read you very clearly and they can read your disposition. so they will turn you off immediately. And I I caution teachers because children want to be taught truth. They, They can't stand fallacies, even though they themselves will lie to us to our face. They don't want to be lied to. That's the irony of a student, especially at the high school level. And when a teacher is presenting that disposition that, you know what, I'm just here to teach you. I could care less about your soul or you can care less about whether you learn about Jesus Christ. I'm just here to make sure you guys learn. That's what I'm paid for. Um, children will know that. They, they just don't want to learn about, the, about the, the, the academics. I mean, they want to know where to stand in their place with God. What is my, my reason for being here? And if that's not good enough for them, uh, and the teacher saying, well, you know what, I don't care for you. I'm just going to give you information. the, the they'll see that they're not a regurgitated depository of, of information. They'd rather see something true. So it could quickly go downhill, but um, we encourage our teachers to remember your, your primary focus, be a witness to them. They need that. They're desperate for that.
0: Well, and if you've got that going on, then you have a, you have a better audience for Mm -hmm. the other stuff too, right? I mean, this is, it all kind of is meant to flow together is, you know, Catholic education is supposed to be about the whole person, Right. Then, uh, so, correct. I mean, I don't pretend to know how to do that. Uh, obviously, I'm not the person who's gone into Catholic education. So, <laughs> <laughs> I only know what questions to ask because of stuff that I've been overhearing for the past couple decades. But, Marlon De La Torre, if our listeners uh, want to connect with you and hear more about the things that you're working on, how do they do so?
10: They can connect with me either through knowingisdoing.org or the Diocese of Columbus.
0: All right, link to sunrise morning show.com. Have a great day.
10: You too, Matt. Go Bucks.
0: All right. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news.
1: Good morning. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is calling up the National Guard as Tropical Storm Delia takes aim at his state. Speaking yesterday, DeSantis noted that roughly 5,500 guardsmen are on the ground. Officials are coordinating with utility companies in an effort to quickly respond to any potential power outages. Evacuation orders are also in place for several counties in coastal areas. Idalia is expected to strengthen into a hurricane soon and make landfall on Florida's Gulf Coast, potentially as a major hurricane by early tomorrow morning. The University of North Carolina has confirmed a faculty member was killed after a shooting on campus yesterday. Trey Thomas reports
6: police say they have a suspect in custody but are not releasing a name or possible charges. This loss
11: is devastating and uh, the shooting damages the trust and safety that we so often take for
6: granted uh, in our campus community. Earlier reports indicated the shooter was a grad student. Officials also said classes will be canceled on Tuesday. The shooting took place in a laboratory and triggered a three-hour lockdown. I'm Trey Thomas.
1: Former President Donald Trump will be arraigned in his Georgia election interference case next week. A Fulton County Superior Judge scheduled the arraignments for all 19 co-defendants in the case for September 6th. Trump will be the first person arraigned after being charged over alleged attempts to overturn Georgia's 2020 election. The advocates behind a proposed amendment to enshrine abortion in Ohio's state constitution are set to go before that set to go before Ohio voters this fall are suing the state's ballot board in the litigation filed yesterday. Ohioans United for Reproductive Rights Claims a summary of the ballot measure that has been approved to appear on the ballot is, they say, deceptive and inaccurate. They're asking the state Supreme Court to order the ballot board to place the full language of the amendment on the ballot or make changes that they say would accurately and fairly reflect the terms included in the measure. Among their grievances is the use of the term unborn child instead of fetus. Pope Francis has sent a message to participants in the 60th International Congress of Forensic Toxologists in Rome calling for support for those who fall into drug addiction. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports.
7: Pope Francis shared his concerns over the alarming increase in the consumption of drugs and psychotropic substances among teenagers and young people, further encouraged by their illegal and online sale on the so-called dark web. The Pope noted that the fragility and the insecurities of today's societies added to the critical stage of adolescence are important factors that can lead young people to dangerous choices and behaviours. The message highlighted in particular the new psychoactive substances or NPS whose use is rapidly expanding among adolescents who are often unaware of the health hazards associated with these drugs. Another point raised by the Pope was the increase in the use of doping substances in sports, which he said manifests the obsession of high performance at all costs. This phenomenon, Pope Francis remarked, should make us reflect on the modern society's culture of efficiency and productivity, which does not admit failure. In this context the message continued, disoriented young people are more prone to rely on drugs to stem their anguish and lack of purpose in life and to overcome the fatigue of existing. Behind every addiction, the Pope noted, there are concrete stories of loneliness, exclusion and lack of integration to which we cannot be indifferent. As Jesus stopped, came close to, and healed the wounds of the suffering, we too, the Pope concluded, are called to listen to the cry of loneliness and anguish and bring back to life those who fall into the slavery of drugs. I am Lisa Zengarini.
1: The president of the Pontifical Academy for Life has said food waste is a source of shame. Vatican News reports Archbishop Vincenzo Paglia was speaking recently at the U.N. Agency Headquarters for Latin America. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35.
0: It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee.
1: And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase.
0: While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store.
1: Find our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at
9: sonrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit, prophet on the sunrise morning show email me leah at sacredheartradio.com that's leah at sacredheartradio.com
12: this is every day with saint francis de sales the holy spirit gives us his advice through the words of the prince of the apostles take great care to use your time well and make sure of your vocation through good works This warning must make us live in great fear and humility in whatever state we find ourselves. But at the same time, we must raise our heart to the divine goodness, invoking His grace and His help, and keeping our affection fixed on Him by means of frequent and fervent ejaculations. Whatever the world considers wonderful, Is nothing but an illusion, a fantasy, or a lie. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Chris Armstrong.
1: Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Thomas Berg. He's author of a couple of books, including Choosing Forgiveness, most recently, as well as Hurting in the Church, both from our Sunday visitor. Father, welcome back.
11: Good to be with you. Good morning.
1: It is good to have you. And, you know, a lot of people are heading back to school, including the men who are in the educational phase of their formation for the priesthood, those who are heading back to seminary. And then there are those who are entering seminary for the first time, and, and we're going to spend some time together um, talking about what would be your advice to uh, seminarians. But I want to, can we start, can you just take us back to that time for you? What was it like as as a young man, you had discerned this this possible call to the priesthood, and then you took that step to enter into formation. What was it like to enter seminary for the first time?
11: um well it, it it was very simple i think i and my my comrades we, it was very clear we were going to be the saviors of the church <laughs> we were going to we were we were going to get this right you know and uh, that's what i see in so many of our guys uh, no it's 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 awesome and it's also frightening it's um you know it's it's a tremendous adventure and, and, you know, just to kind of step back too, just so, you know, listeners can, uh, have motivation to pray, uh, you know, back, I'm looking at some data right now, back in 1990, there were about 6,000, over 6,000 total seminarians in all the dioceses of the United States. Um, uh, by 2021, for the first time, we're actually below 4,000 seminarians. Oh. So 3,947. Yeah. The reality is, um, the number of vocations, number of men entering seminary, it's, it's about, I think it's, it would seem to, this would seem to indicate it's about to take a, a, a very serious dip. And I think we're aware of that. I wish in every parish in the United States, we had a team of very committed lay men and women and families who are like focused in a special ministry on um, promoting vocations, vocations to priesthood and re- religious and consecrated life. Um, part of the problem is the in so many dioceses is the very high ratio of you know priests to Catholics in the diocese, and you know priests we're, the priests who are in ministry are so stretched. Uh, it's very hard to be able to find that quality time to spend with young people who are you know discerning their vocation, and we can't just put that. Um, burden on the vocation director, you know, the v- vocation director is supposed to kind of do miracles. And um, we need a lot of support, uh, especially from from persons. So so yeah, so, yeah we got to pray for our guys who are starting formation right now in the fall.
1: Well, and I know there are many chapters of the Sarah Club, as as they're known, um, who who do just that, who who pray fervently for vocations and do what they can to to promote vocations to young people. Yes, so I encourage folks do wonderful to work. Uh, yeah, to check out uh, your local Sarah Club if uh, you want to heed Father's call in a in a very real way. There, so Father, as young men are entering into seminary, what what would be your what what comes to mind first? What is your first piece of advice for a young man?
11: I've got lots of those because I, I've been uh, accompanying men in formation for the past 12 years. So um, how long do we have, Annie? <laughs> I know, <laughs> um, right? <laughs> we, we've, no, I, uh, a couple of things. And I, as I was reflecting on this, this actually is also valuable for all of us uh, because this this all speaks to ongoing conversion. And last time I checked, we're all supposedly on a road of ongoing conversion. Yeah. But but really, the first thing is uh, what I would call is uh, it, it's the trust deficit in the church. I was just speaking to a group of seminarians up in Hartford. They invited me to ask about how, how do we restore trust in the church? So one thing that a, a man in formation has to do first, well, he has to understand that he is, um, you know, trust is a huge challenge. It's a bigger challenge than ever. I was just reading something about uh, Gen Z in the workplace the other day, and The author noted two things. Um, A lot of times young and Gen Z employees in the workplace don't trust the leadership of the company, and they suspect that management is hiding something. So um, that translates directly to what can happen in in seminary, because seminarians have been exposed to, they've been scandalized. Think uh, the whole McCarrick ordeal, um, scandalized by the abuse of power. It's exceedingly hard for seminarians to trust, especially the priests. Who have been missioned to seminary as their teachers and mentors, but but the upshot is that trust is essential, and what's necessary in 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 seminary formation, especially in preparation for the priesthood, is loads of vulnerability, um, loads of openness to uh, to those men. So somehow, um, guys got to work to get into a relationship with these men and and discover them and hopefully the 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 priests in formation too are are aiding them to develop this very trusting relationship it's a mentoring relationship it's the relationship of a spiritual father um And guys are going to have to do that. But they first of all have to recognize how much in them resists that just because, you know, generationally that that, that's that's a first huge piece of this.
1: Oh, my gosh. I imagine Um, that is hugely important for someone who is looking toward taking a vow of obedience to whoever that that superior is.
11: You, you bet. And, um, and, you know, and the, the, the distrust, the uncertainty, I mean, that goes, that goes beyond, um, you know, priest in seminary or, or the rector. Sure. I mean, it, it can be uh, kind of reflect or aim, aimed at the bishop, even, you know, at, at the, the bishops, you know, there was a recent study from Catholic University of America that, you know, kind of revealed this huge trust deficit uh, with regard to, the American episcopate as, Mm -hmm. as, as a body from uh, within the body of priests in the United States. So, um, so that, but that trust is also necessary because number two, um, ongoing formation, ongoing conversion, guys have to deal with um, the human deficits, the wounds, right? Uh, That we bring, that they bring into formation. And that again, requires vulnerability, transparency, honesty, but they, they got to lean into that. I always tell guys, you, you got to deal with your, your stuff, right? You got to, you've got to be open, your spiritual director, the persons who are accompanying you in formation. Uh, you got to work at that because no, we don't, we don't come into formation immaculate. All of us, every single one of us in, in life, you know, if, our, if we could see our souls, it'd be kind of like a, a moonscape of, the impacts of things that we've suffered and things that have happened and the results of bad choices that we made, maybe when we were younger. And, um, so there's, there's a lot of work to be done and a lot of honesty that is required in dealing with, um, with that stuff with, uh, to, to get, get the seminary needs to get himself with God's grace as healed as possible so that he can be a healer in turn in the church.
1: You started off the conversation talking about how uh, when you entered seminary, and and this is probably the case for so many young men as they enter seminary, that I'm going to save the world. And yet all of this goes in together, doesn't it? Um, This need for vulnerability and to recognize you're not the savior of the world. Jesus is.
11: Right. I mean, look. I mean, any one of us, when you're 21, 22, 23, you know, you can easily develop a savior complex in whatever in whatever you do. But yeah, that's you know a, a big piece of advice to to our men. You are not the savior. Uh, we already have a savior. He's doing a great job. Um, we need to, uh, we need to, we need to trust. What we need is, we need is trust, trust in. trust in the Holy Spirit. Seminarians, of course, are rightly like all of us scandalized by a lot of stuff, um, that's happened within the institutional reality of the church or in the, the local presbyterate. Um, but if, you're gonna be ordained someday, uh you really have to become I mean the priest today in so many ways, locally in his parish, in his community, has to be a a rock of of hope. And you you can't trans you can't give what you don't have. So you have to allow the grace of the Holy Spirit to to really infuse within you that um that that hope. Another thing though, I, I think I would really um, just urge our men to really pray for this grace. It's to pray for the grace to be free of clericalism. I define it as kind of a a lust for power, prestige, perks, uh, importance, um, and guys can get caught up in that. And very sadly, priests can get caught up in that. Um, The reality too is that unfortunately even lay persons can get caught up in that as, as well. And if if our, our men need to have a a deep awareness that they are servants Um, they need to pray for the grace to love deeply the people of God, the people entrusted them with a deep sense of service, the heart of of a servant We're not there to exercise power. And I, well, and I mean obviously yes there's 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 certain responsibilities that are given to to um the priest, but I think a message for our guys in formation too would be guys you you are going to understand that you have a ton to learn from your lay brothers and sisters who in many ways have been doing ministry longer than yourselves, um, with gifts that you don't have <laughs> and um that developing that sense of profound collaboration and teamwork with, with the lay faithful and recognizing their gifts and, and their, uh, what, what they can do, not, not, uh, not to clericalize, right. Uh, our lay brothers and sisters, but to each, each in our own, uh, vocation, um, being instruments, uh, the, the instruments that we're called to be.
1: Can I ask but, uh, yeah. you, um, from like, you, to to step back from the the advice for for a seminarian here and give advice to us the laity in this regard, Father? Because um, I imagine there's some kind of a line that we need to walk as laity in that we want to give due honor um, to our priests in the fact that that your hands are consecrated. And, and can confect the sacraments and and there is an inherent dignity that that comes with that um but how do we do that in such a way as to not like puff up our priests or our seminarians um ahead of time um puff them up in 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 like this idea of clericalism or 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 some kind of pride of of being a priest does that make sense
11: oh yeah ab- absolutely um I, I think, you know, um there, there there are plenty of temptations for seminarians to to get puffed up and um you know, I but I think I think there there is um a way for the lady, yeah, to in in friendship with uh, with the clergy and friendship with the priests to yeah, to honor. I mean, you know, to honor that reality. Um I'm I know I'm blessed and I know so many of our, our, our priests are. Uh, blessed with very um, close lay friendships. Some, some of my best friends are, are laymen and women, um, but it's, but I'm always, I'm always father. I'm, I'm always, even though they may call me by my first name, which is, which is fine, but um, there's a way of reverencing that um, which still allows for the possibility of genuine friendship. I, I think that's, that's kind of an avenue for that um, genuine friendship uh, between clergy and laity. That's, that's hugely important, especially for the perseverance of priests.
1: Yeah, I would imagine. So I really appreciate, uh, the conversation today. Father Thomas Berg, we can find, uh, you can find his books, Choosing Forgiveness and Hurting in the Church linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, thank you.
11: Always great being with you, Annie.
1: It was great to have you, Father. And uh, if you are a young man entering seminary or formation, either for the first time or continuing in your studies, please be assured of the prayers of the Sunrise Morning Show family. Ten Till, we're back right after this. Stay with
2: us.
0: Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available.
13: The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage, sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation, will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, Resuscitation of the Rosary, a Fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and Mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org.
0: The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from.
1: And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, SONRISEMORNINGSHOW.COM, we earn a commission on whatever you buy.
0: You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our
1: store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at SUNRISEMORNINGSHOW.COM.
2: The Wisdom of Mother Angelica. You know, I have never seen women who want to be equal absolutely degrading themselves. And yet the media degrades your nature, your beauty as a woman, your your goodness. Let us pray. At some point, our dear Lord touches their hearts. For more information on Mother Angelica, visit Religious Catalog at EWTNRC.com.
14: Do you have a clean joke to share with the world?
2: Share your story today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie on most of these EWTN stations.
14: And now back to the Sunrise Morning Show.
1: No, Matt, you don't have a joke to share with the world. You do not.
0: (sighs) Jerry and Debbie, you don't know what you're missing. Just give me the hour. We'll see what happens. (laughs) You'll be like my son. He's like, Dad we we'll do bread puns and for the next like 15 minutes. Are you kidding me? To be like, I loaf this game. At any rate, what are the headlines?
1: <sighs> Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is calling up the National Guard as the state starts to eye tropical stormy Dahlia, which could make landfall as a major hurricane tomorrow. The advocates behind a proposed amendment to enshrine abortion in Ohio's state constitution are suing the state's ballot board over language, and the journal La Civita Cattolica has published the transcript of the Pope's recent meeting with his fellow Jesuits in Portugal.
0: All right, news at the top and bottom of each hour, every weekday morning, here on the Sunrise Morning Show, I mentioned a little bit ago that today, the Feast of St. John the Baptist, um, and that means it's a great feast for the folks in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Actually, mm-hmm. the, whole, the whole Puerto Rican island gets to celebrate St. John the Baptist as their patron. Uh, there's also the San Juan uh, Pueblo in New Mexico gets cool. to count him as a patron. In addition to that... If you're listening in one of these areas, happy feast day to your diocese, uh, because St John the Baptist is a patron of you as well. Charleston, South Carolina.
1: nice.
0: Home of uh, Father Jonathan Duncan.:
1: And Joseph Pierce.:
0: And Joseph Pierce and a few others. Uh, Dodge City, Kansas. it's your feast today. Nice. You're under the patronage of John the Baptist. Patterson, New Jersey, home of Father Philip Michael Tangora.
15: Aww. It's their feast..
0: Uh Portland, Maine. Uh it's a he's a patron of that. So happy feast day to my uh hermit friend, Brother Rex. He's uh he's got a feast to celebrate Is today. Is he in
1: the diocese of Portland? I didn't know He's in Portland. That. Wow.
0: He's out in the woods it's up a somewhere.
1: nice place to be a hermit.
0: Yeah. That's a good place to go get left alone.
1: Yeah, for real. And
0: go uh, go pray for a living. I
1: love Portland, Maine. Um
0: while you're up in that area, St. John's, Newfoundland. Uh, nice. He's patron nice. of that diocese. Uh, Savannah, Georgia, Mm -hmm. John the Baptist, patron of that diocese. There's several dioceses in uh, Belgium, in Brazil, in Germany, Italy, a few in Mexico, a handful in the Philippines, in Portugal. More than Um, a
1: few in Italy. Yeah, Italy, there's like a couple
0: dozen. A few dozen. Uh, Macau, Mm -hmm. China, under the patronage of John the Baptist. Um, Ivanska, Croatia. Let's see. Cornwall, England. Quebec, Canada. And... uh, some place in Poland that I'm uh, hesitant to try to pronounce. Actually, a place in the Netherlands that I'm hesitant to try and pronounce as well. But you know who you are. And happy feast day. Sorry, I'm trying to count
1: day. how many Italian dioceses there are. I'm up to 42.
0: There's a lot of dioceses in Italy. I don't know if you know this. Everybody's yard is like a diocese over there. <laughs> It's like nice uh nice front yard 3 I like your landscaping you're like yeah it's a it's a new diocese maybe not Anna Mitchell still counting she will have a number at the top of the 76
1: hour. 77 78 79 is like 100 80, dioceses 81 82 I think 82, 82 dioceses. dioceses in Italy
0: under the patronage of St John the Baptist
1: Is that how many dioceses are in Italy?
0: I don't know. Probably at least 25 times that. We're back with another full hour of the Sunrise Morning Show after the break. It's three minutes till.
7: Arise, it's a new day. Here is
0: continue on this Tuesday the 29th of August the feast of the martyrdom of St. John the Baptist by praying more of the litany of John the Baptist in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. St. John the Baptist burning and shining lamp of the world pray for us. St. John the Baptist intrepid preacher of truth pray for us. St. John the Baptist voice crying in the wilderness pray for us. St. John the Baptist, miracle of mortification and penance, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, example of profound humility, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, glorious martyr of zeal for God's holy law, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, gloriously fulfilling thy mission, pray for us. St. John the Baptist and all you holy men and women, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you are with us here on a Tuesday morning. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, we'll catch up with Dina Dwyer Owens. And she is a uh, Catholic leadership professional who's got lots of great insights on workplace spirituality and how to go into the job today and uh, keep Christ at the center of what you do. Randy Petridis will be along as well. Also, Steve Ray on Hearts in the Bible we're actually getting close to the end of the month dedicated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. That's the theme for August. And then Chris McGregor joins us to look at what St. John Chrysostom has to say about five paths to repentance. Of course, she picks a selection from the Office of Readings each week to unpack, and that's what we'll be doing. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com, as well as Central Fabricators and CentralFabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell.
1: Good morning. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is calling up the National Guard as Tropical Storm Edalia is beginning to take aim at the Sunshine State. Speaking yesterday, DeSantis noted that roughly 5,500 guardsmen are on the ground. Officials are coordinating with utility companies in an effort to quickly respond to any potential power outages. Evacuation orders are also in place for several counties in coastal areas. Idalia is expected to strengthen into a hurricane soon and could make landfall as a major hurricane on Florida's Gulf Coast early tomorrow. Former President Donald Trump will be arraigned in the Georgia election interference case next week. Mark Mayfield reports.
3: A Fulton County Superior Court judge has scheduled the arraignments for all 19 co-defendants in the case for September 6th. Trump will be the first to be arraigned at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. He will then be followed by the 18 other co-defendants in 15-minute increments. Trump and the 18 other co-defendants face charges over alleged attempts to overturn Georgia's 2020 election. I'm Mark Mayfield.
1: The advocates behind a proposed amendment to enshrine abortion in Ohio's state constitution set to go before Ohio voters this fall are suing the state's ballot board. In litigation filed yesterday, Ohioans United for Reproductive Rights Claims a summary of the measure that's been approved to appear on the ballot in November is, as they put it, deceptive and inaccurate. They're asking the state Supreme Court to order the ballot board to place the full language of the amendment on the ballot or make changes that they say would accurately and fairly reflect the terms included in the measure. Among their grievances is the use of the term unborn child instead of fetus. The ACLU and Planned Parenthood in Michigan have unveiled a legislative agenda for this fall as they seek to get state lawmakers to make access to abortion easier in Michigan. They want to repeal a state law mandating a woman wait 24 hours before obtaining an abortion and repeal laws that limit insurance coverage of abortion. Right to Life of Michigan has blasted their proposals. The journal La Civita Cattolica has published the transcript of the Pope's recent meeting with his fellow Jesuits in Portugal when he was there for World Youth Day. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports.
4: Throughout World Youth Day in Lisbon, the rally and cry for an all-embracing church resonated powerfully with the words, todos, todos, as he stressed that the church has space for everyone. The Pope reiterated his call to embrace homosexual people within the church. He critiqued the disproportionate fixation on sexual transgressions, noting that other so-called offences often remain overlooked. The Pope also recounted an encounter with a group of transgender individuals who were moved by tears by the Pope's acceptance and empathy. He underscored the necessity of reaching out to marginalised communities who often grapple with feelings of rejection, and he accentuated the significance of empathy and compassion. Addressing critical global concerns... Pope Francis conveyed deep apprehension over the persistent prevalence of wars since the conclusion of World War II. He spotlighted the contemporary state of global affairs and underscored the imperative of seeking peaceful resolutions. The dialogue delved into tensions existing within the Church, including reactionary attitudes and resistance to the tenets of the Second Vatican Council. The pontiff acknowledged the intricate challenges posed by those who scrutinized Vatican II without explicitly naming it. He underscored the dynamic nature of doctrinal evolution and expounded on the notion that church doctrine is not an unchanging monolith, but rather an evolving entity. He invoked historical instances such as the changing perspectives on the death penalty, nuclear weapons, and slavery to illustrate the fluidity of doctrine over time. Pope Francis expressed apprehensions about the encroachment of excessive worldliness into religious life. He cautioned against compromising core values with the allure of worldly ideologies. Finally, Pope Francis conveyed his anticipation regarding the impending synod. He clarified that the synod wasn't his brainchild. Instead, it aimed to restore synodality within the church, a concept first championed by Pope Paul VI. He also emphasized that the driving force behind the synod was the Holy Spirit. I'm Francesca Merlo.
1: And the Department of Transportation is going after American Airlines, hitting the company with the largest ever fine for keeping passengers waiting on the tarmac. The airline is facing more than $4 million fine for long delays with passengers on board airplanes for 43 different flights, affecting more than 5,800 passengers between 2018 and 2021. The longest delay? involved passengers on a board, on board a plane in Texas in August 2020 for just over 6 hours after being diverted due to severe weather. Could you That's imagine 6 hours sitting on the plane? What would you do? You run out of I don't know. I mean, you'd have to listen to like I guess you could listen to 2 days of podcasts for the Sunrise Morning Show.
0: I guess you could do that depending on what time of day it was though if it's like the afternoon you'd be like oh, I don't know this feels like morning vibes that's okay but that's why we I'm put okay. those markers on the interviews so if you go to the Sunrise Morning Show podcast
1: oh then you'd get through a lot then you could more. just be like yeah.
0: I just want to listen to the interview with Dr. John Bergsma about Song of Solomon mm-hmm. or I just want to hear what Father Bonavis Hicks had to say about the Jesus prayer or I just mm-hmm. want to dive into the office of readings with Chris McGregor you just like mouse over the tabs and be like oh well it starts right there
1: Here's my favorite guest on the Sunrise Morning Here's my Show. Favorite guest. I'm going go go to go through every day of Sunrise Morning Show podcasts and just find that one person. Just you find can all do the Kevin music.
0: I want to know what wanted, happened this week in Catholic history.
1: I highly recommend listening to the entire show, but
11: but if you got if a you want to do that, faith.
1: if you want to do that, you are more than welcome to utilize. Yeah.
0: It is aimed, joined now by Dina Dwyer Owens. It's always great to catch up with her and talk about faith and values, especially as it applies to our life out in the workplace. You can download her Create Your Culture or Your Better Future Workbooks at dinadwyerowens.com. Dina, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So I'm looking back at the notes. You sent me something here that says, we've been doing this for 10 years. Is that possible, (laughs) Dina?
8: I know. Um, They say time flies, and they're not kidding.
0: My goodness. Well, how long ago then were you on Undercover Boss? It was right about 10 years
8: ago, I think. Well, it aired 2012, and you reached out to me shortly afterwards.
0: That's wild that it's been going this long. Well, we've and covered a lot of stuff. Ongoing, Yeah. Yeah,
8: they keep airing it, which is beautiful because it gives uh, an opportunity to share faith in the workplace.
0: I mean, you're in reruns. I, who knows how many times at this point.
8: <laughs> I never uh, knew I'd be a rerun, but... <laughs>
0: Well, there you go. Well, I think the the cool thing about it is it did open a door for these conversations that we've been able to have over uh, over time about something that basically affects the vast majority of our listenership, which is people who are going to work somewhere. And, you know, the work culture, especially if you look at inflation and rising prices on just about everything – and trying to figure out how to reinvent yourself sometimes uh, in some situations in a post-COVID world, work can be absolutely front and center for our lives. It makes demands on our attention, on our energy, and everything. But I I wonder how over the course of this 10 years especially, you've been thinking about this idea of making sure that you set your values as opposed to letting the demands and pressures of your workplace set your values for you.
8: You know, it's, it goes back to that whole design your life program that I've talked about a couple of times on the show where you can live by design, you can live by default. And living by default's not such a good idea. So, uh, you know, and God's got a design for all of our lives. So you just have to slow down enough to listen. And, you know, one of the, the lessons that um, I've learned and I've had the opportunity to um, share with so many, uh, in my case, franchisees and associates and others, actually lots of opportunity in the um In the Catholic world, a lot of people have invited me to speak about this, but is having clarity of our values, because if we don't know what our values are, personal values are, and we're clear about how we hold ourselves accountable to those values, then we're going to get caught up in the rat race. And it happens to all of us. Everybody just gets busy, and we forget. It's hard to believe that we forget what's most important to us, because we get caught up in the day-to-day.
0: You know— I love this idea of really refocusing on values because if you have not just yourself but a group of people who are in that headspace, you've got something that a lot of places don't have. So let's say that I'm in a workplace with, well, like I've been in before where there's a disagreement into how things should be done, and we're all coming from different places, and we're all prioritizing different things, and you can get into some nasty gossip and backstabbing Mm -hmm. and rivalry and all that other stuff. Well, here's the thing. I work with Anna Mitchell every morning. And Anna Mitchell and I may disagree on some stuff about, you know, who we should have on or how we should run things or what, you know, how a thing should go. But Anna Mitchell and I and Paul Lockman, we have shared values. Like we all know that we're trying to do the same kind of thing for the same kind of reason. So any kind of conflict that'll pop up, we'll figure it out because we've got
14: that baseline.
8: That's right. And that foundation is so key. I, for years, I uh, when I was a much younger person, you know, my my number one value, personal value, was social. Surprise! Surprise! You know, social life is what it was, and you know, it was about getting out with friends in the evenings and going and having fun and driving a really nice car, and you know, just things that today are not the priority. And and over time, of course, Matt, I came to realize my number one personal value is my faith. And with each one of our personal values, we have to understand that there is a. You you might want to call it a rule, a ritual, a tradition, a habit. There are things that we do that support the fact that, in my case, faith is my number one value. Things like attending Mass five days a week. Like right after this call, I'm going right to to Mass downtown Waco at 7.30 a.m. So going to Mass daily. It means going to Mass when I'm traveling for business on the weekends doesn't matter. I'm still going to Mass on a Sunday. In fact, it's on my itinerary. So that's one of my, my, my rituals or habits um, that support the fact that faith is my number one value, and people around me see that. In fact, they've commented before, oh, that's interesting that you have church on your itinerary for work. It's like, yeah, because I'm going to be gone for the weekend, and I'm going to make sure I don't miss Mass on Sunday.
0: Well, that may be the kind of thing that people look at you weird the first couple times you do it, but if you establish that pattern, then people. Kind of just like, oh, that's Dina. She's going to be going to mass. <laughs> that's
11: know?
8: right. You know what? And I invite them. I invite after, them. to Say you're welcome to join me if you'd like. And yeah, people you, have you, joined me.
0: Yeah, and you carve out that space. And after a while, people respect you for for sticking to those values. I mean, this this may not take the form of that in in a way that people can see all the time because you know a lot of people who go to daily mass, listen to this show, do it before they go to work. So uh, nobody necessarily sees or knows. That, but there are certain things that you can do if you value your faith first and foremost. Uh, things like when people are trashing each other in the break room, you don't participate. You know, people kind of start to see after a while. Ah, well, that person's not gonna. If I go over and gripe to that person, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna find somebody who's going to egg me on in it. Right? You start to develop that reputation when it's clear that those values and boundaries are out there.
8: That makes me laugh because you're so right. And I, you know, one of the the longtime values of Neighborly, which was formerly the Dwyer Group, where I was the CEO, is speaking calmly and respectfully without profanity or sarcasm. Matt, it is so incredible to me that somebody who uses profane words in every other sentence in a typical setting went around me, and and it's not because I'm better than anybody else, but they're clear that I am not going to participate in a in a conversation with a profanity. They they stop cussing in front of me. And these are people who will say to me, you know what, somehow I cannot cuss when I'm around you, but when I get back with my other group, I'm right back to the normal cussing.
0: Well, it's because you're a lady. People are like, yeah, that Dina's not – she's not about that stuff. Watch your language around her. I mean, that's, that's how you start a culture, right? I mean, isn't this kind of your whole deal about you change a culture by just saying, hey, this is what we're actually about?
8: That's right, but it starts with you. So it starts with the individuals being willing to live the culture, which are your values. comes back to the values and what are the what are the accountability statements or the habits that support those values because you've got to hold yourself accountable you know because i i mess up all the time but the goal is is to bring myself back to you know that foundation which is so important to the way i live my life and then when we all do that like you and anna and paul in the workplace it makes for such a much healthier setting and you have a lot more fun and i know you like to have fun matt and so do i and when you're clear about your values you're not afraid to live them people do respect you in fact you become a form of a magnet because they go, why, how is it that Matt can be so clear about who he is? And unabashed about it. He, he he's open about it, but he's not your face about it. And I respect that. And I'd like to be stronger like Matt.
0: As well, Dina, this is this is great stuff. Remind people where they can find uh, your Create Your Culture workbook or Better Future workbooks. Yep,
8: DinaDwyerOwens.com.
0: All right, and sign off for me because we got to get your Keep sound. Keep up the God work. There it is. There it is. Can't put the the Dina interview uh, on the shelf yet until she says to keep up the God work. So, hope you head out to the workplace today a little bit more inspired. 16 past, we got headlines right after
12: this. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective, while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week central fabricators based in cincinnati ohio is a family-owned business for over 75 years manufacturing and repairing corrosion resistant storage tanks reactors and pressure vessels on the web at centralfabricators.com that's centralfabricators.com are you
6: looking for peace longing for joy want to meet the giver of all goodness god is calling the laity to bring ignatian prayer into a suffering world work for the new evangelization go to lordteachmetopray.com order your free digital training and manual find true happiness and everlasting joy go to lordteachmetopray.com and
7: click on the red button today
6: it's free approved by the usccb
0: waking up with mystic monk coffee is definitely a better way to start your day not only are you getting a great cup of coffee but your purchase helps support the life of the carmelite monks of wyoming
1: and your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonrisemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission.
0: Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunriseMorningShow.com.
1: That's sonrisemorningshow.com. This is
4: Bernadette Buguski, executive director of WCCR
1: Cleveland AM 1260 The Rock. Why do we need Catholic radio? To reach the hearts, minds, and souls of those who are searching for deeper meaning and don't know where to turn. To bring clarity to a world full of lies and confusion. And to share the good news of joy and mercy with a world so desperate for the truth.
6: The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio. Now more than ever.
0: 18 minutes past the hour, here's Anna with headlines.
1: Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is calling up the National Guard as Tropical Storm Italia is beginning to take aim at the state. The journal La Civita Catolica has published the transcript of the Pope's recent meeting with his fellow Jesuits in Portugal and advocates behind a proposed amendment to enshrine abortion in Ohio's state constitution are now suing the ballot board over language.
0: News at the top and bottom of each hour, every weekday morning, here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And you know, Anna Mitchell, we've had quite a bit to say about St. John the Baptist on this, the memorial of his passion, mm-hmm. uh, the beheading of St. John the Baptist. But there's a person a little further down on the calendar that I want to make sure to mention today, and that would be St. Jean Jugon, the foundress of the Little Sisters of the Poor. So a happy feast day to all the little sisters this morning.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you for your work, little sister. I think their charism is one of the most beautiful charisms, to keep vigil with those who are dying and service particularly to the elderly poor. I want to put it out there uh, to, to young ladies who might be listening right now who are considering a vocation to the religious life. I mean, there are a lot of fantastic religious orders out there this one is so so beautiful and, well, and not for you know someone
0: who's got you know maybe an impulse towards like caregiving and nursing uh just as part of who you are i mean that's well really that's every so woman
1: gifted. if you read something like mulieris dignitatum matt that's true so there this, are elements of that i just want to say it's it's not a charism that is you know on the surface, the most appealing sounding. Because, you know, working in a nursing home essentially doesn't sound like, you know, really glamorous lifestyle. But God will reward you. So please, please, please consider a vocation with the little sisters of the poor. That's my well, PSA for the day.
0: And they're all every little sister I've ever met is pretty awesome. Amazing. So uh, there you go. St. John's you gone. Pray for us. for us. It's 21 minutes past the hour. New supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from.
1: And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, SONRISEMORNINGSHOW.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy.
0: You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store
1: and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com.
9: This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com.
13: Accept, O Lord, this appeal for pardon wrung from our afflicted and repentant souls. We ask pardon, O Divine Heart, for public scandals and evil living, for all who corrupt thy little ones, for crimes in families, the sins of parents and children. We ask pardon, O Divine Heart, for those who traffic in public crime, for those who lead and lure souls to eternal damnation by riches and corrupt literature, for those who excite evil passions By immodest fashions, we ask pardon, O Divine Heart, for all attacks against our Holy Father the Pope, for all organized disobedience against Holy Mother the Church, for all weak and straying souls, for sinners who resist grace, for all abuse of the sacraments, or any outrage against the Holy Eucharist. Amen.
1: welcome to the Sunrise Morning Show, Randall Petritus His new book is called How the Saints Shaped History. Randall, welcome to the show.
5: Thank you so much, and it's a pleasure to be on your show, Annie.
1: Well, it is a pleasure to have you. You know, we think of saints as models of holiness, rightfully so. They are models of holiness, but what do you mean by them shaping history?
5: Well, uh, if you look at what God has done in the history of the church, and in- Try to look at where the Holy Spirit has been working, the best way to do that is to look at those people who are most open to the grace of the Holy Spirit and most open to being disciples of Christ, and that would be the saints. So if you follow the saints, you can see what God has done throughout history. And you know, the Church is not just a human institution like some histories will uh, will describe it, but it's also a divine institution. So, uh, when you look at the saints and what they did in their place in history, you can see the, uh, the arc of Grace throughout these la- last 2,000 years. So it's a little bit of a different approach to the saints. As you say, uh, being inspired by their holiness is front and center to what the saints can be for us. But we can also learn about, you know, what God has done through history and how he sustains us, how we can have hope when we look at how saints have actually been the uh, history makers uh, throughout the last 2,000 years.
1: Well, when you read through secular history textbooks, for instance, you probably have very little, if any, knowledge of saints who had an effect on the course of history. I mean, they're more focused on, on political and military leaders. And I mean, certainly there has been some overlap, but... How do you take us through history and show how the saints have, have fit into shaping the world?
5: Well, uh, my book is a narrative history of the Catholic Church and of the Christian experience for the last 2,000 years. So I sought to tell a story, um, but when I first started writing it, uh, it was a pure history. and I kept seeing it's the saints who are right there uh, making uh uh, pulling us out of problems, uh, leading the, the way forward, getting us out of heresies, uh, so to speak. And and so uh, what I've done is about 180 saints that uh, I focus on. Most of them are the more well-known saints, and they're more well-known because they're the ones who impacted history uh, very profoundly. So uh, I just walk us through and look what this, this saint did. Look at how God brought, raised up, for example, in the... Um, in the fourth century, when we had perhaps the greatest crisis in church history, the Aryan crisis, look how he raised up Athanasius and Basil and Gregory and Cyril, and all these people all at the same time, who, by their holiness, their brilliance, and their persistence, got us out that and you know that is when you look at the church as divine as well as human, that is the real history, as you say, not just the political and the military aspects of our history which are which are are, are uh, valid, but the real history is. our our spiritual history, how God has um, um, guided uh, his people uh, throughout the ages and rescued them and um, uh, put them back on a a good path. And he did that, I I noticed, to the saints. That's why I think they are really front and center in the history of the Church.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I started off by talking about how saints obviously uh, most— obviously in our minds are, are models of holiness, but thinking about that, is there anyone in here off the top of your head who, I mean, you mentioned a lot of these saints are very famous, but they're famous for their holiness primarily, right? So is there anyone in here who might surprise us as as a shaper of history? Uh,
5: sometimes uh, it's it, it's just fascinating for me to see uh, the, uh, the smaller saints who uh, shape history in, a, in an outsized way based upon what they did. I don't know if this is a direct answer to your question, but even starting from Mary Magdalene, um, uh, converted to, to, to Jesus by uh, his ministry to her and was very devoted to him, and uh, because of that devotion, she's there at the tomb, and she's there to see Jesus, and she's there to get a task and her task was to tell the, uh, uh, the, the disciples who were holed up out of fear uh, that no need to fear, I have risen, um, I will be with you. And so she got the church going just by delivering a message. And uh, look at, uh, say, St. Uh, Clotilda, who lived in the 4th century. She was married to King Clovis of the Franks. It's just at the time when the Franks were being the dominant Germanic tribe, and that was important. And uh she was Christian, he was pagan, she spent uh, the better part of their early marriage seeking to convert him to the faith, and uh, eventually, by 496, she was successful, and just at the time when the Franks were um, dominating the other tribes, it opened the door for the Christian faith to be spread throughout all Europe, uh, and... Uh, those, you might say, little saints who had an outsized impact on history just by being faithful, just yeah. by doing the, 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 the simple things uh, in, in devotion to our Lord.
13: Yeah, it's
1: really incredible. We're talking to Randall Petritas, whose book is called How the Saints Shaped History. And Randall, my last question for you, with just about a minute left, is what do you think all of this tells us about God?
5: It tells us that God is faithful. Uh, Whenever we see, including in our present times, uh, reasons to be deeply concerned about the state of affairs in the church of the world, God is faithful. Whenever things seem to be very difficult, he will give us grace. And um, one of the main ways he does that is by raising up a body of saints so we can have hope because of the faithfulness of God, that uh, in our own times uh, we can expect, and I'm sure it's happening as we speak, uh, he will raise up new saints to, to, to help us through the times we have today. So I would say that's the main lesson. God is faithful because he loves us. He will not abandon us, Jesus said. Uh, he will be with us always. And uh, the history of the saints shows that very well.
1: Beautiful. How the Saints shaped history linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you, Randall. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Idalia has now reached hurricane status. The National Hurricane Center says the Category 1 storm now is packing maximum sustained winds of 75 miles per hour as it makes its way toward Florida. Forecasters expect Idalia to continue gaining strength, intensifying into a dangerous manger hurricane before it makes landfall tomorrow. The University of North Carolina has confirmed a faculty member was killed after a shooting on campus yesterday. Trey Thomas reports.
6: Police say they have a suspect in custody but are not releasing a name or possible charges.
11: This loss is devastating and uh, the shooting damages the trust and safety that we so often take for granted uh, in our campus community.
6: Earlier reports indicated the shooter was a grad student. Officials also said classes will be canceled on Tuesday. The shooting took place in a laboratory and triggered a three-hour lockdown. I'm Trey Thomas.
1: Former President Trump will be arraigned in the Georgia election interference case next week. A Fulton County Superior Court judge scheduled the arraignments for all 19 co-defendants in this case for September 6th. Trump will be the first person arraigned after being charged over alleged attempts to overturn Georgia's 2020 election. The advocates behind a proposed amendment to enshrine abortion in Ohio's state constitution set to go before Ohio voters this fall are suing the state's ballot board. In the litigation filed yesterday, Ohioans United for Reproductive Rights claims a summary of the measure that has been approved to appear on the ballot is, as they put it, deceptive and inaccurate, and they're asking the state Supreme Court to order the ballot board to place the full language of the amendment on the ballot or make changes that accurately and fairly reflect the terms as they see it. Among the grievances is their use of the term unborn child instead of fetus. The ACLU and Planned Parenthood have unveiled a legislative agenda in Michigan for this fall as they seek to get state lawmakers there to make access to abortion easier. They want to repeal the state law mandating a woman wait 24 hours before an abortion and repeal laws that limit insurance coverage of abortion right to life. Michigan has blasted the proposals. Pope Francis has sent a message to participants in the 60th International Congress of Forensic Toxologists in Rome calling for support to those who fall into drug addiction. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini has the story.
7: Pope Francis shared his concerns over the alarming increase in the consumption of drugs and psychotropic substances among teenagers and young people, further encouraged by their illegal and online sale on the so-called dark web. The Pope noted that the fragility and the insecurities of today's societies added to the critical stage of adolescence are important factors that can lead young people to dangerous choices and behaviours. The message highlighted in particular the new psychoactive substances, or NPS, whose use is rapidly expanding among adolescents who are often unaware of the health hazards associated with these drugs. Another point raised by the Pope was the increase in the use of doping substances in sports, which he said manifests the obsession of high performance at all costs. This phenomenon, Pope Francis remarked, should make us reflect on the modern society's culture of efficiency and productivity, which does not admit failure in this context the message continued disoriented young people are more prone to rely on drugs to stem their anguish and lack of purpose in life and to overcome the fatigue of existing behind every addiction the pope noted there are concrete stories of loneliness exclusion and lack of integration to which we cannot be indifferent As Jesus stopped, came close to, and healed the wounds of the suffering, we too, the Pope concluded, are called to listen to the cry of loneliness and anguish and bring back to life those who fall into the slavery of drugs. I am Lisa Zengarini.
1: And the president of the Pontifical Academy for Life has said food waste is a source of shame. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour.
9: This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com.
0: Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. The Baltimore
14: Catechism asks, What is the Church? The Church is the congregation of all those who profess the faith of Christ, partake of the same sacraments, and are governed by their lawful pastors under one visible head. Those who profess the faith of Christ, then, are those who believe what Christ taught. And in order to believe it and to know it, They learned it from the apostles and from the successors to the apostles. They partake of the same sacraments that the apostles themselves partook of from the hands of our Lord. The true church is governed by lawful pastors, that is, those who have the authority of the apostles that they have received from them under the visible head of the Pope, who is the successor to St. Peter. Let us thank the Lord for giving us this perpetuation of his presence through space and time, through history and now even through grace, that we might be a part of his mystical body both here on earth and in heaven. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan.
0: The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim and August is the month of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. That's what we kind of focus on as a devotional emphasis during the month of August, and to talk more about hearts in the Bible. Steve Ray now joining us. Catholicconvert.com is where you can find him on the Internet. In terms of where you can find him in real life, he seems to be in a different country every time I talk to him. But Steve, good morning.
15: Good morning, Matt. I'm here, but uh, soon I'll be in Israel for the next month. So I'll be doing these shows live from Israel with you.
0: Very cool. Well, we get to look at the uh, the Bible, which, of course, comes... Directly from that place you'll be going to, how many times is the word heart used in the Bible?
15: Well, the word heart is used 1,059 times in the whole Bible, 46 times in the Gospels alone. So it shows that it's really a significant word and concept in the Bible, something for us to pay attention to. So the word sacred is used 30 times. The word immaculate is never used, but if you realize immaculate means pure and holy, then you can extrapolate that that really is used uh, many times too just not the exact word so 1059 times in the whole bible is the word heart
0: that's a lot that is a lot it uh, is. you know now you if i recall correctly from your story um so i did this in vacation bible school in june of 1988 uh but i know when you were <laughs> a little kid you knelt at uh and by that green vinyl couch and did you invite jesus yeah. into your brain no <laughs> You didn't. Yeah. You invited Jesus where? Into your heart. So even as evangelicals, we had an understanding of this physical and kind of metaphorical sort of you know, images coming together, uh, this idea of the heart as being the center of spiritual activity.
15: Right. And we would say that you have to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and ask him to come into your heart. But there's never anywhere in the Bible where it says that you have to ask him to come into your heart. That was Baptist tradition. But in a way, it's also true because the heart represents the center of our being, the kind of the what makes us function, it's, it's us inside. And so to ask Jesus to come into our heart is a way of saying that you're asking him to come into the center of your being. The heart is actually a 10 ounce muscle It's a muscle in our chest that weighs about eight to 12 ounces, depending on how big you are. And it's actually a muscle that pumps blood. But it's also heart is used majority of times in the Bible, although it does wrench in it as a heart that way. But the majority of times it's a metaphorical, meaning describing the state of mind or moral condition of a person, the seat of a person's emotional being so that's and it's because the life is in the blood the bible says and the heart's what pumps the blood around from the center of our chest so it's always been seen as kind of the center of our being so it's the heart of a man that looks for god right it's the center of our whole being All
0: right I'm going to ask you a question that every catholic probably has a sense of but would have a little bit of a hard time explaining if somebody put him on the spot what's the difference between a sacred heart and an immaculate heart <sighs>
15: Well, a sacred heart is refers to Jesus. The sacred means it's holy. It's absolutely holy and sacred. That's what sacred means, set apart or holy. Immaculate means pure and sinless. So it's in a way also it means holy, but that's what we say Mary is the immaculate conception. So we say her heart is immaculate. It's without sin and it's always looking to God. The sacred heart, of course, is the holy heart of Jesus. And now both of them, by the way, Jesus and Mary both have real hearts and metaphorical hearts, because both of them uh, have that center of their being. And that's when we look at the sacred heart of Jesus. Not only do we look at the heart that is actually pumping in his chest, but the heart, even God, it says, has a heart. In Genesis 6, 6, it says that he regretted making man because man grieved him to his heart. So that is a metaphorical heart. So sacred and immaculate, both Mary and Jesus had real hearts and metaphorical hearts.
0: Well, there are uh, a lot of ways to address this question of Mary's immaculate heart and uh, the characteristics of it, but I can't help but uh, go directly to Luke chapter two, when uh, you know Mary is looking back on everything that's happened in that first chapter and a half of Luke's gospel, uh, from the greeting of the angel to the birth of Jesus, and it says she kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And what a what a powerful thing to reflect upon. What does it mean for Mary? keep all these things in her heart. I feel like we should be reflecting on that as Christians.
15: It is. And and just a little before that, or after that, actually, Simeon says to her that a sword will pierce your own soul, which is pretty much another word for heart. That there's going to be a sword to pierce your heart. And think of fifteen-year-old girl with her pudgy new baby going to the temple and hearing those words. How do you process that, fifteen? What do you mean a sword's going to pierce my own soul? Uh, as she's looking down, it means it's going to pierce my baby too and my soul too. But to ponder those things in her heart is kind of. I, I like to use the word to meditate or ruminate. And I always use the example of a camel. Camel chewing his cud. When you're over in Israel, you see this all the time. The camel's laying there. All of a sudden, this big lump comes up and and then he starts chewing and then he swallows and another it comes up in his throat and what he's doing is he when he quickly gathers the the uh grass or the weeds and he chews them he swallows them into stomach number one and then when he doesn't have anything to do when he's just laying there he brings it back up out of stomach number one and he chews on it and swallows it back into stomach number two and this is the whole idea of ruminate that's what an animal who chooses cut is called one who ruminates ruminate is a synonym for meditate we read the word of God we hear God's word and we kind of quickly put it away in our mind and then when we're stuck at a train track or we're in a line somewhere we can bring that back into our mind and chew on it some more it's the whole idea of, of the camel in a sense so Mary she hears these words she sees these things and she ponders them she remembers them in her heart and she keeps them there as a treasure and that treasure is there, and she keeps bringing it back up again to think about it and to meditate upon it. Mary didn't know everything. She's not God. She's not infinite. So she has to meditate on the Word of God like the rest of us, and she has to follow and believe God by faith like the rest of us does. And I love the way it says that she ponders these things in her heart. In another place, it said she kept all these things in her heart.
0: It's a wonderful thing to reflect upon. And, you know, with just a moment left, I, I do like to— Sort of throw out the the notion that while we're talking about you know metaphor and spirituality and and deep philosophical meanings, there is a physical connection because you know we know from science that the uh, fetus from the embryonic stage from conception is a distinct other person with its own distinct DNA, but until six weeks and that thing has its own beating heart, right? Uh, yeah. it is relying on everything from the mother's heartbeat to kind of sustain it and get it going. So there's that just that profound physical connection that even Jesus' humility to rely on Mary's heart to get him started, right? His first yeah. days of conception is a powerful thing to reflect upon.
15: It is, and there's a scientific word, microchimerism. It's a new thing they've discovered, that from the cells of the baby, baby cells actually migrate into the mother, and the baby's cells stay in the mother for the rest of her life. This is very interesting considering the relationship between Jesus and Mary, that some of the fetuses' uh, cells pass into the mother and they grow in the mother and stay there. So, I mean, Jesus and Mary being kind of this united one, even the cells, this microchimerism, it's called, that's been discovered to transfer cells from the baby's body into the mother's body and the mother's body into the baby's body. This is, brings a very close connection between Jesus and Mary and their hearts.
0: I always bring that uh, fact up on the Feast of the Assumption because, you know, Jesus ascends into heaven. But just to make sure that we've finished the job here, all the remaining <laughs> <laughs> cells that have uh, stuck around in Mary's body, you know.
11: It's We're going cool to bring her up, too.
0: Upon. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Steve Ray, we've got CatholicConvert.com linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Hopefully people can head over and find some great resources. And looking forward to hearing from you in the Holy Land as you head there pretty soon. Thanks, Matt. All right. We're back with Chris McGregor thinking about John Chrysostom and repentance next. It's 14 till.
15: Laura, teach me to pray. The
0: Ignatian prayer series can now train you and others electronically to become facilitators and bring the Ignatian way of prayer to your parish. Come to know and love Jesus Christ
16: like never before and help others do the same. Don't pass up the opportunity
2: to join this work of the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on digital training. That's LordTeachMeToPray.com
16: and click on digital training.
0: Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more and services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee.
1: And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at SunriseMorningShow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase.
0: While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student, all available in our online store.
1: Find our store and link to Mystic Monk coffee at S-O-N-RiseMorningShow.com.
14: To ask, why should I pray, is the same as asking, why should I raise my mind and heart to God, since that's what prayer is. But when stated like that, it's pretty obvious. We need to pray because God is He to whom our minds and hearts are ultimately directed. Union with Him is our ultimate destiny. Without prayer, we lose our direction to God as our ultimate end, and thus set ourselves on a path that leads back into the slavery of sin. Do you have a clean joke to share with the world?
2: Share your story today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie on most of these EWTN stations. And now back
0: to the Sunrise Morning Show. I got a breakfast one, Anna Mitchell. You want no, a breakfast one? No, I don't. Why do, okay, Matt. Why why do, seagulls, <laughs> why do seagulls fly over the sea? Why, Matt? Because if they flew over the bay, they'd be bagels.
1: Neat. I'll we'll come up with
0: something more exciting Thank later, you for your clean joke, for your breakfast puns.
1: That you're supposed to wait for Jerry and Debbie. You're going to run out of them.
0: I'll, Jerry and Debbie better hope I don't call. They better hope. <laughs> it's 12 till.
1: Chris McGregor joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show from DiscerningHearts.com. Good morning, Chris.
16: It was a good morning until I heard that joke. Thank you yeah. for
1: your support, Chris.
16: Well, it's, we have to stick together. We
1: girls got to stick together. Thank God Sorry. I have you.
16: Thank God
12: I have you.
1: <laughs> well, I am so excited to be talking to you because this week's selection from the Office of Readings that we're going to be discussing, uh, technically overtaken this year by the Feast of the Passion of John the Baptist, but it's the reading for the Tuesday of the 21st week in Ordinary Time, uh, a piece from St. John Chrysostom. Remind us who he is, first of all.
16: Well, he's great father of the church. The, uh, he uh, died in the year four hundred seven, so he's right before some of the the great teachers that we've heard of so often, like Saint Augustine and many others. But his homilies were so powerful mm-hmm. that they've they've lasted all these years. And this particular passage isn't it? It just he sums it all up. Oh right? my gosh. I've, yeah, the golden tongue does it. He just he,
1: sums it right up. He knows how to do it. I mean, for real, uh, my jaw just dropped reading, reading yeah, this piece. So it's uh, it's entitled, um, at least in the office of readings, the five paths of repentance. Now, before we dive into like all of his deeper thoughts, just what are these five paths?
16: Well, isn't this wonderful? He sums it up for us halfway through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, yeah. he brings it up because he's such a good preacher. He, he sums it up. First is the condemnation of sins. That's the of the five paths. You have to, you have to condemn the sin. You have to know it. Second, forgiving the sins of those near us. Mm-hmm. Third is prayer. Fourth is almsgiving. Fifth is humility. Now this is how we we have to take some time to break these open, but it's so simple, isn't it?
1: It sounds so simple, and then you know when you actually put it into practice, you're like, whoa, this is this is intense. And I mean, really, that comes out. I think I mean, just reading what he had to say about each of these, you realize just how intense these are. If if we truly do take it seriously. He says,
16: like in the very beginning, the first path of, of con- is the condemnation of sin. So he challenges us to stir up your own conscience to be your accuser so that when you go before the judgment seat of the Lord, no one else will be able to rise up against you. What you need to do is you have to really dive into those areas. What are you holding on to? What is that sin? What is that block? That thing you can say— well, I, I can do this for a little while, but, you know, you know, but no, you have to. No, this is a sin. This is truth. This is something that's, uh, that I love more than I love God. And I don't want to let it go, at least not today. You know, and he, what he's saying is you have to understand that and you have to condemn that sin. That's really tough, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Stir up your own conscience to be your accuser so that when you come before the judgment seat of the Lord, no one will rise up to accuse you. I mean, okay, St. John, yeah, okay, okay, I I get it. Now, this next part, um, I mean, we pray it so often in the Our Father, you know, as we forgive those who trespass against us, but he just brings it out in this, I mean, we can't, you were talking about we can't hold on to our sins. We also mm-hmm. can't hold on to our anger against those who sin against us.
16: See, that's, that's sinful too. Yeah. I mean, that's a sin. It is what he tells us is to forget the harm done to us by our enemies, to master our anger, and to forgive the sins of those who are slaves together with us. Mm-hmm. They're sinners just like us. Now, what's challenging in a very real way is when he says it is Uh, It is to forget the harm done to us by our enemies. Now, forget has a couple of different definitions to it, right? Mm -hmm. You forget where I I just, I forgot where the keys are. And there's another type of forgetting where it's an action of your will. I'm going to let it go. I'm not going to keep bringing it up. I'm not going to keep remembering. I'm going to forget it to the extent that I'm going to let it go, right? And then to forgive in that sense that I accept that it happened someone hurt me somebody did something to me an action was taken I accept that it happened and now I'm going to forget I'm gonna let it go and sometimes that's not so easy for us is it Anna because what you know we almost have to be we have to be like our Lord We almost know we have to be like him on the cross hanging from the tree hanging from the cross looking down and saying father forgive them They don't know what they're doing. Sometimes when we don't have the power ourselves, we have to be like our Lord and say, I do this so often because I'm so broken. You know, I I turn to the Lord and I say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing and help me to get there. Yeah. Help me to get there. And, And, you know, and that's what divine mercy is all about. And in your mercy, you know, help me. And so that's what he's talking about in that second um, second path. I think. What do you think?
1: Well, you know what really stands out to me is where he says this is the second path to the expiation of our sins. And I was Mm -hmm. thinking about you know we have we have this term imperfect contrition, right? Where you Mm -hmm. know it's uh, we're sorry. for our sins and ask for forgiveness um, out of, you know, fear of, of damnation, um, which is sufficient to have our sins forgiven, but it's not perfect, um perfect. Um, um, uh, what's the word I'm just looking for? Perfect contrition. Thank you. Yeah. Amendment. Contrition. Yeah. Yes. And, and where, amendment. where yeah. we are sorry for our sins because they have harmed our father. I, I almost feel like this is, imperfect uh, mercy in a way uh, just to kind of like extend the metaphor here uh, because we can forgive people because we want the Lord to forgive us does that Mm -hmm. make sense that that we need to remember that this is a path for us to be forgiven as well
16: that's right he brings out anger because oftentimes when we have unforgiveness, and you see it in the scriptures all the time, they're connected. Forget and take away your anger. And those are so important. And I, you know, and then he brings it down to you ha- You can only do this. The third path, you got to have prayer, 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 mm-hmm. almsgiving. It means give of yourself, give away. And then just like that widow's mite, and then humility yeah. to know yourself.
1: Give away your pride.
2: Uh-huh. It's a yeah. lot of
1: giving away. I think um, if I were to pick a theme from all of this is giving up to the Lord because the Lord is life-giving. He gives his life to us and that is what Amen. we're called to do as well. DiscerningHearts.com, linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Wish we had more time to talk about it, Chris. Thank you so much.
16: You're very welcome. And we'll forgive them the bad jokes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we'll forget.